Good morning. A little bit after 9 o'clock. This is a Thursday morning. Terry Saul, Amanda Smith. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing A-OK almost the end of the week. One more day. Yes. So I have like a fun little fact. So last weekend, Oregon sold 40,000 guns. Isn't that cool? Wow. Yes. So people are getting in there before they shut that off or (laughs) whatever that's going to look like. I'm not even sure, but um, pretty pretty awesome. Um, I think Jeff Krupp was talking about it, about how there was a certain dealer that was able to push them through the background checks and they got approved immediately. And so with that, so that was pretty awesome. I need to hop on that train and get a few more. When I got my last one there, uh, they ran me through within a matter of five minutes. Yeah. I was in and out there as far as the background. Right. Well, these days it's taking months and weeks because of all the the measure 114 and how they're can't figure it out. For their life of them. Oh, good. <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And then I also just got a report that Oregon ranks as a state the mo- with the most unsafe homes. What does that mean? So, it says Oregon experiences 2,659 reported property crimes for mm-hmm. every 100,000 residents. Oregonians are most likely to have a fence around their property and light outside of their homes to deter criminals. I say sit on the porch with an AR-15 and that'll deter. Right. So, yeah, just interesting that, I mean, we rank the highest in a lot of areas, unfortunately, with bad crimes and all of that good stuff. Whatever happened to Oregon was always the the fun place to go live and everything's calm and blah, blah, blah. It's not like that anymore here, is it? No. Our governors have plummeted us, to say the least. There was something else in here. We call them little Joe Biden juniors. Little Joe Biden juniors. (laughs) Awful people. Little Tina Biden. All right, what else you got? Uh, Hey, coming up tonight at the Elsinore Theater, 6 o'clock, Jimmy Wayne. And this is being put on by the Casa of Marion County. And it's going to be a great show at 6 o'clock tonight. Jimmy Wayne is a former foster kid turned best-selling author. And uh, we're just about out of time, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up right now. Okay. Thanks for looking at that. Good morning. It is a Thursday morning. Weather-wise, mostly cloudy with the highs around 52 degrees today. Tonight, a little bit of rain. Lows around 46. Terry Saul, Amanda Smith hanging out with you. It is 930. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Okay. So it looks like um, a month after lawmakers killed a bill that would increase uh, the cost of beer and wine taxes, uh, state officials are considering now increasing a tax on hard liquor. Hmm. So it says that the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission's marks up the cost of hard alcohol about to double the price for consumers. The markup uh, includes a bottle surcharge of 50 cents. This was first introduced in 2009. It looks like it's been renewed since. And Tina Kotek said in her proposed budget, uh, Governor Tina Kotek called for doubling the liquor surcharge to a dollar a bottle. Wow. A double surcharge would raise... $90 $90 million over the next two years, according to Cotex's budget proposal. Um, that money would go into the general fund that would uh, just about pay for her request for more than $100 million in new spending on behavioral health and addiction services in the next two-year budget, which is set to start on July 1st. So it goes in to talk about, there's, there's pros and cons 
to this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As somebody who doesn't drink personally, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I see that we do have an alcohol problem here. And so maybe that will slow down. Like when they raise the, ta- the prices of cigarettes, I quit smoking at that point. <laughs> Hi. And I used to smoke cigarettes. Shame on me. Absolutely. Um, okay, so it goes to talk about um, Oregon ranked fifth nationwide in its rate of alcohol addiction amongst teen and adults in 2021. Only Washington, Kansas, Vermont, and Colorado, in that order, have a higher rate of alcohol dependency. I wonder why Kansas. I'm not sure. Huh. Um, it says alcohol is... T- uh, so somebody said that alcohol is toxic, addictive, and binge drinking costs the state $4.8 billion annually. Wow. I'm, I wonder at the breakdown of that. Um, yeah. Exactly how and with what, you know. Um, that's kind of interesting. I would <laughs> like to get that broken down. So that's really all I have. Um, there are distilleries that are the Oregon. Let's see, which one was it? Uh, Hood River Distilleries. So he's one of the largest distilleries in Oregon. And David is the owner. And he was saying how it's going to push us out. We, we're we going to have to hike up our prices. We're already struggling. And um, so he's against it, which makes sense because it's going to push him out of his business. And so yeah, no kidding. That can be a difficult one to navigate. They had some statistics, but I can't find it fumbling okay. through all of this in here and if people want more information on it of course they can always contact you and you can send oh, them the yes. article i can send you guys the, yep so just email me amanda at kslm.news and i will get you over that article okay sounds like a plan you're listening to uh, 104.3 fm we are 12 20 a.m we're both kslm terry Saul and amanda smith hanging out with you it's time for us to throw it back to dan bongino don't go anywhere we'll be back in just about 30 minutes or so See you then. A little after 10 o'clock on this a Thursday morning, Terry Saul and Amanda Smith. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Uh, we talked about this, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. There was some uh, some folks, three people, that were actually caught stealing mail from um, Marion, Polk, and Yamhill counties. Apparently, they stole mail from over 100 residents, and the deputies found this. And they actually found it by accident. They was on a traffic stop, and they happened to notice some mail in the back of the car, and they got to search for it and found out, yeah, these people had been ripping off. And they'd actually been stealing from locked mailboxes at apartment and townhomes. And I'm not sure how they get into those locked ones, but they, they have done it. And so the police have uh, arrested the three suspects, and they are on trial for it. I guess that's a felony. Oh, stealing, yeah. stealing mail is not uh, something you want to be doing. But... Uh, now there's uh, Ashley, she's 26, from Dallas. Austin, he's 25, from McMinnville. And Dianka, Dianka, yeah. Uh, she's 25, from Grand Ron. And they're all charged with first uh, attempt of first-degree aggravated theft and six counts of first-degree forgery. Apparently, they got some checks in there and were writing themselves a little bit of a check. Does it say that, or are you assuming? I'm assuming. Okay, because forgery could just, it could mean multiple things, not just that. Just taking mail and, and presenting it as, it could mean a lot of different things. But that's good that they got yeah, but on it, that. It, it makes makes for a better story if you kind of embellish it a little bit. Fair enough. Sorry Anyhow, about that. Trial begins on <laughs> May 30th. We'll be following that. I'm glad they got them because I, um, I feel like a lot of crimes these days just go without punishment. And it's really frustrating um, it's it's also people people are getting a little bit more 
oh, I don't know, ballsy when when it comes down to. Yeah. My son was telling me that he uh, he got a notice that uh, there's a package for his, Lily's birthday delivered, and he was taking a nap, and he just thought, well, I'll pick it up when I wake up. And it showed the picture of the package in front of his house, and he got mm-hmm. up there, and it was gone. Oh, yeah. When it's I been a matter of about 30 minutes. It was gone. If I have a package delivered to my front door, I will reach out to a few of my neighbors and be like, hey, can you grab that and put yeah. it inside? Because having the people will, will troll around looking for them while you're at work because they know that that's when they get delivered and it's frustrating Those, that's my hard earned money that I spent on that package leave it be we, hands we, off yelch <laughs> good morning a little bit after 10.30 on this a Thursday morning Terry Saul Amanda Smith and do you have any big plans for this weekend um, you and the boys? Oh, I'll be doing a live remote at um, Boone Ridge. They're like a retirement center, so I'll be yeah, going Sunday. on at 2 a.m. Not 2 a.m., oh, Lord help me, 2 p.m., and I think I'll be there for three hours. Cool. So stay tuned for that. That's taking place on Sunday? Yep. Well, yeah. Right, that'll be fun for you. Yeah. So right. um, I got this, I seen this article that uh, Tina Kotek says no to the Salem Tribal Casino. So I don't know if you've heard about it, but they've been planning on trying to bring in a casino here to Salem. Mm-hmm. And she it says that Governor Tina threw the cold water on plans for a new tribal casino in northeast Salem. But the Confederate tribes of the, oh, I don't even want to try to pronounce that, says that they are not giving up on the project. Um, it says that they plan to, they've been planning for years to build a 20-acre off-reservation casino. Uh, that's tribe-owned on 4751 Astoria Street Northeast in Salem off Interstate 5. Um, It looks like it's going to be 180,000 square feet casino, which would house 2,000 gaming devices and 45 tables. There would also be a 500-room hotel, nightclub, and sports bar. Um, Can you imagine how many jobs this is going to provide? Mm-hmm. So it says, actually, it will be 1,200 full-time jobs. That's not including <laughs> the part-time jobs. So the tribal chair, uh, chairman, Dolores Pigsley, I think, uh, she said, despite Cotex's letter, the, tribal intend, the tribe intends to move forward. Good. It said she can't disapprove it until we get the final decision from the Bureau. I don't know if I said that right. Why would she, does it say why she wants to disapprove it? It doesn't. So it said, and then, so the chairman, she said um, that they've had uh, an agreement with the state that they may negotiate gaming compact to use in Salem land. Uh, She said, we legally have the right to negotiate since our compact 20 some years ago. Uh, It does not have a sunset clause. We will be looking more carefully and closely at it. Um, if imp- if approved, one quarter of the casino's profits will go to the state and local government. And then it says that they the tribe expects to generate $185 million in the first year of operation and $231 million by its third year. Uh, and then the casino would generate uh, 1,200 full-time jobs as well. So, yeah, it's kind of a... Wow. Mm-hmm. I wonder how the folks at Spirit Mountain feel about it. I imagine they're probably not overly excited over that. Well, I think it would go... So, if you read more into it, it it's it's all of the tribes. So, um, one quarter of the... For the tribe... So, and half of the profits from 
the casino would be split among the eight tribes in Oregon. Oh, really? So it would be profitable to all of them. Sure. And I know Spirit Mountain Casino, I just recently uh, saw them do a speech. They do a lot for children and for homeless. and They do for, a lot for the community. They actually do more than I realize, mm-hmm. me personally. So I can only imagine. And so they're saying that this would also help give back to the community as well okay. um, in many ways. All righty, it's time for us to send it back to Dan Bongino. We'll do that. See you back here again tomorrow.